I'm not going to attack the states, Mr Speaker. The private sector is helping us through this. It's not government. Prime Minister, what took you so long? Closed shop doors, empty gyms and ongoing financial devastation. We are in this for the long haul. As soon as we hit all those milestones, we will have those extra freedoms. Another COVID near miss. COVID vaccinations are now mandatory for all Murrumbidgee local health staff and police across the Riverina. Wagga takes its disaster with a smile. Council has joined in with the race, but... Yeah, it's it. It's got to be Wagga. An absolute lover and passionate member of Wagga Wagga City Council. That likes to clear open this ordinary meeting of the city of Wagga Wagga. Hello and welcome to the seventh show for Wagga Selection Dissection. The developers disqualified for public service program for the 17th of October, 2021. I'm your host, CSU journalist student and Wagga Rouseabout Zoe Morris, here to translate political jargon, research candidates and offer reliable election updates straight from the horse's mouth to you, the citizens of Wagga. Join me and political guests every week on Spotify, Twitter and Facebook at Wagga's Election Dissection. As always, your engagement is what makes this show. Please post or comment any questions for your elected officials and engage with your local members. Firstly, two of Wagga's councillors, Kerry Pascoe and Rod Kendall, have significant interests in property within the local government area. Both the Greens and Labor parties specify that property developers cannot be selected or endorsed as a candidate for public office and encourage the discharge of current developers on councils around Australia. Number one Greens candidate for Wagga's council elections, Jenny McKinnon, believes that it is impossible for an elected council to listen to the community with no significant conflicts of interest when councillors have a financial stake in development. Last year, the Local Government Amendment Disqualification from Civic Office Bill was introduced into Parliament by New South Wales Greens and Labor members. It proposed to amend Section 275 of the Local Government Act 1993 to provide that real estate agents and property developers are disqualified from holding civic office. In an interview last week, Ms McKinnon replicated the Green sentiments that while it is important to have a working knowledge of planning laws, something that comes fluently with property developers, most municipalities would be more livable places if we had accurate representation of the whole community on council. Jenny McKinnon was born in Narendra before moving to Sydney with her family. After school, she did a social work degree and worked in the intensive neonatal wing in one of Sydney's prestigious hospitals. Moving back to Junee during her 30s as social worker in charge with Wagga Base Hospital, Jenny started associations and guest lectures with Charles Sturt University. Retiring as Executive Dean of CSU's Faculty of Arts, Miss McKinnon and her husband, number three on the Greens ticket, George Benedikus, are now enjoying retirement in Wagga. How would you describe the current council members and what some councillors have called a council gridlock? Um, okay, well, at the moment, there are two Labor councillors elected to council. Previously, we have had two Greens councillors on council. There's none there at the moment. Um, now, my observation is that actually those people from those progressive parties are actually the ones who are moving on lots of really good issues because they're in touch with the community. They are moving on what it is that Wagga wants and what would be good for Wagga. Um, and to, uh, to try to recast 
everything that they do in through the lens of party politics, first of all, I think is ridiculous. And the second thing is, um, what is it? What is it that has stopped? You know, I just don't see any evidence of it. So I'd, I'd like to hear what's the evidence that they're talking about. That's just not there. One of the other things I would like to let people know about the Greens Party is that all of our local members are members of the Riverina Greens. They're not members of Greens New South Wales. They're not members of the Australian Greens. They're members of the Riverina Greens. So our affiliation, of course, is with New South Wales Greens and the Australian Greens, and that means that we have got um, a set of principles and ethics and standards and policies that people can look up. They can know what we stand for. They know what that's about. But as to how that's applied locally, we make our decisions here. We decide what our priorities are. We decide, you know, um, how, uh, you know, planning, for example, we've got, we've got, um, we would like to see, the Greens would like to see no property developers on lo in local government. And in fact, probably not at any level of government, but particularly not at local government, because that's where the planning decisions get made. So trying to rule out that level of, um, you know, self-interest, to me, that's the kind of thing that can bring gridlock to councils. That's the kind of thing that can bring, that can reflect really badly on councils. And uh, if my thinking is correct, it's actually also the most common reason that local, um, local councillors end up before the Independent Commission Against Corruption. So let's just get, I think it's far more important to get property development out of local government than it is to get, you know, party-affiliated people out of local government. Mm. Um, I had a conversation with a property developer the other day, actually, and he was, I was asking him, I was, you know, putting those questions to him, you know, the Greens say that property developers in council um, give them an unfair advantage over their competitors and, um, you know, they said, oh, that's just exclusionary to people who are in construction or in the construction industry because anybody could be a property developer at a different stage in their life. Yes, but to be on council at the same time as you're a property developer, um, you know, uh, if you're a construction worker or whatever, you can be on council as well. Um, no, I, I just don't buy that. I think it's a, it's not okay. If I can expand a tiny bit about the whole property development thing. One example would be, you, you might have heard of this thing. If someone's building a new house or if a property developer is building a big, you know, a new suburb of houses or an, an individual owns a block of land and they are, you know, going to build a house on it, they have to um, comply with what's called the basics rules. And the basics rules, that's B-A-S-I-X, which which is about, it's an acronym for the sorts of things that they have to do to make their house more environmentally friendly. Okay, so a local council might say, okay, well, look, we really want more environmentally friendly development in our area, so we're going to make it so that actually um, every single development has to have solar panels. Okay, this is just an example. The council said, no, you want to build anything new, it has to have solar panels on it. What I've been told is that then um, 
big a property developer just says, oh, okay, well, actually, we're allowed to choose between the, the local government um, basics rules and the state government basic rules. And they don't say that we have to do it on every single house. So that's what we'll do. We'll choose those basics rules. So then that led me to thinking, well, what could council do? Is there some sort of a, a carrot that council could offer to property developers so that they actually might be more interested in doing that? You know, when, you know, there seems to be a new suburb in Wagga almost every year. <laughs> it's like we're developing all around the edges of Wagga, um, actually, which is another point I would like to talk to you about in more detail. Um, but, yeah, it seems like we actually have to... Um, you know, give some sort of financial incentive for property developers to do that. Now, again, that means that it should not be okay for a property developer to be on council. And what I've also been told is in council, the sorts of documents that might go to the public meeting, you know, where everyone who watches, watches the live, live stream, oh, I'm interested in council, and, you know, there's some big property development thing going on. Anything that the public can see is quite different to what gets seen for, for the big property development stuff that's considered in a private councillor meeting. And they get to see, for example, if, an, if a developer is applying to do something, the councillors get to see, you know, where are they getting their bank loans from? What's their profit and loss? What are their projections about this? So this is the stuff that's all commercial in confidence. Just imagine you're a property developer and you get to see all that. That's when actually they are your commercial competitors. So again, that's another reason I just say that is not okay. What are you most passionate about in local government? What are your priorities? Well, I've already mentioned a couple of things that I'm campaigning about. So, you know, the planning stuff and the 15-minute uh, the city. I, I'm campaigning also on trying to establish a koala sanctuary in Wagga. So what I've, I've done a lot of research on this. And what I found out is that koalas were endemic in this area up until the 1890s, maybe about the 1900s. And you still might see the odd koala but we don't have the sort of populations that means that there's a gene pool that won't lead to, you know, ultimate dying out. And apparently in um, earlier this year, a koala walked down the main street of Gundagai, which was very exciting. And people, you know, it was like it was a big talking point because they're so rare to see. Um, so they died out due to disease and because most of their habitat had been cut down. Obviously, we're an agricultural area here and um, koalas just died, died out at that time. But we've got a great example locally of the Narendra um, Koala Park. Do you know about it? And it's, oh, well, there's a koala park there. It was established in the 1970s, early 1970s. Similar story to Wagga, they'd had, you know, no real koala population there since the late 1890s. Brought some koalas in. They're in a, um, uh, a really nice situation there. So I think there was about 30 koalas or something they brought in from, from what I can read, from Victoria and Queensland. And now it's a population of about 200 or so koalas. They do a koala count there every single year. 
So that particular koala reserve is part of what's called the Murrumbidgee, Murrumbidgee River National Park, which is a set of disjointed national parks sort of starting out at out past Hay, and then there's a few different areas along the river, including uh, I think Berry Jerry, um, <clears throat> Berry Jerry area out of Wagga over near Galore. So <clears throat> what I'm saying is, because koalas are under such threat in coastal areas, right? Where the koalas are is exactly where you know the logging. They're, they're, they're competing with loggers for exactly the same trees. They are competing with developers who, you know, are knocking down areas for whole new suburbs and all that sort of thing. And they really are in trouble. <clears throat> Pardon me. They're in trouble on the coast. So it turns out that river red gums is one of the favourite foods for koalas and um, they can... They can live on that. We have got stacks of those here. So I've been um, talking to people. I've been exploring options. I've been wondering what we're going to do to help our New South Wales Environment Minister, Matt Keane, who said that he wants to, um, I think his goal was to double the koala population in New South Wales by 2050. Wagga can help him do that. And if we can get the New South Wales government to come on board with the council in terms of, either buying the appropriate land or um, you know, helping us to establish the park in the right sort of place. And uh, it would be fantastic for koalas, number one. So that's the priority. Number two, it's a tourist draw card. People go to Narandra just to see those koalas. We'd be on a circuit. We'd, you know, we wouldn't be competing with Narandra. It would be a circuit for people that would actually draw more. Oh, we can try out Narandra and we can try out Wagga. We might at least see a koala in one of them. And um, and it would be good for our local economy because of the tourism that would happen. So, yeah, I think it's a win-win situation for, for everybody. What was your initial motivation to enter local government? Look, you know, earlier I was talking about how much I love the place and... I guess when I kind of looked at the current composition of the council, I, I kind of feel like there is a certain uh, element of um, property development on there. Um, there's a certain element of uh, self-interest around a number of things. I don't want to be naming names or, you know, whatever, but I, I see a lot of self-interest. And I actually want to see people on there that care about the community, want to do what's best for the community, are not doing it out of any aspect of self-interest. And I was like, well, you know, sometimes you have to, this is a terrible cliche, but sometimes you have to be the change that you want to see. What do I want our council to look like? I want it to represent the community in so many ways. So at the moment, there's seven men and two women. Okay, that doesn't represent our community. I want to see more. First of all, we need to have 50% women. So that is a big part of why I'm standing and putting myself forward. Um, if I didn't love the community so much, I might not. But, you know, there it is. We need more women and I'm going to do it. I'll put myself forward for it. But ultimately, 
what I want to see. I'd like over, you know, the next little while to um, ultimately do myself out of a job because what we need on council is we need more young people, we need diversity to be represented, we need a multicultural community to be represented and very specially important, we need our First Nations community to be represented on there. So, you know, I'm trying to do my bit for women and the community and, I, I, like I said, I'm going to be reaching out and doing my best to connect with all of those, all of those groups and all of the people who, um, if I can be any kind of good representative for them, that's what I want to do. Um, but ultimately, we, we just need that proper diversity on the council. Thank you, Ms McKinnon, for your time and thoughtful conversation. And thank you for tuning in to Wagga's Election Dissection. I'm your host, Zoe Morris, and you can find more information and episodes on Twitter, Spotify and Facebook at Wagga's Election Dissection. Tune in for the next episode to listen to a conversation with Councillor Rod Kendall for his response to arguments against property developers and his hopes for the elections in December. We'll see you next time. Cheers and goodbye.